Well, everybody, welcome to this week's edition of Racing Hotspot Post Daytona 500 Weekend. I'm Devin Pasasny, Jordan Jenkins, my co-host Jordan. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's Wednesday the 21st. Uh, we meant to record on, well, Monday, but then Mother Nature played her hand in the weekend and moved everything to Monday, and then we were going to do Monday night after the 500, and then the Xfinity race got moved to Monday night. And then Tuesday flew by because everything I meant to do on Monday got moved to Tuesday. So <laughs> here we are. Um, crazy enough, we'll have cars on track in Atlanta in about 48 hours. Um, so it's just crazy how time flies. Um, we will obvi- Jordan and I, obviously, we want to talk with you guys about the all four races in general, um, but also probably the big topic is the end of the Daytona 500. Yes. And that's kind of sort of what we want to focus on here at first. And for those of you listening, going, wait, I don't watch Daytona. I don't watch NASCAR anymore, but I'm just here to support Jordan or Devin. What happened? Basically, I'm going to skip the big accident that happened with 10 laps to go because that's just Daytona. Yeah. I mean, yes, William Byron gets into Alex Bowman, and Alex Bowman was no, no, no. I'm sorry. Bowman got into Byron. Bowman, yeah. Bowman had a push Byron race where you usually aren't supposed to push a car on a track. Caused Byron to get loose. He hit Hook Keselowski, and then Keselowski goes up, collects Logano, and then 16 cars later. Yeah, 16 cars later, looking like a sprint unlimited, um, or a bush clash. But uh, <laughs> so, anyways, coming back around, we got coming to the white flag. We have a move by Chastain, came down into the door of Cindric. This is entering the trioval, coming to the white flag. The two of them collide, start spinning toward the infield. Leaders cross the start-finish line, taking the white flag. Cendric comes back up onto the racetrack. NASCAR calls a caution before the leaders even exit the trioval. And immediately, everybody wonders, did they, did they get the white? If they did, who was leading at the moment of caution? What's the deal? I mean, I went on Twitter, the, or sorry, X, this morning, and everybody is still talking about it, that Bowman was ahead of Byron, and that NASCAR should have called the caution as soon as the contact happened, and blah, 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 blah. Now, I have opinions on this. I know you have opinions on this. But what I will say before I share my opinion is that the way I look at this is, yeah, my opinions are, I'm going to voice them, but at the same time, the race is over. We have a winner. Mm-hmm. The NASCAR show is moving to Atlanta. That's that. Yeah. So, so why don't we start with your opinions <laughs> of how, or your I mean, thoughts, I should say, on how that race ended. Obviously, the thing that I think more people hated about how it ended was that they waited until they were cross line to throw the caution when the wreck started 200 feet away from the line. Mm-hmm. And obviously, yes, are they, they're right there at the line anyway. Mm-hmm. NASCAR did say they, they were hoping Chastain and Cindric stayed on the grass, but in the infield, but obviously they came up onto the track, which is when they threw the caution. At the same time, in the 2022 uh, truck race, because, again, I was reading everything on X just like you were, hmm. and people were providing examples of the, pretty much the same situation. 
in the 2022 uh, truck race at Daytona, the same thing happened 200 feet away. And once the car, once they start the truck spin, they threw the caution right away. Hmm. So I, I think it's more, why did they wait till they cross the line when there's been multiple occasions in all four series where they throw the caution pretty much right as, right as contact happens. Now every every series has their own officiating crew in the in the tower though. Like it's not or let me phrase that. According to some of the podcasts I've listened to, <laughs> you have different race control crews per series. You know, so my I guess my point is if that is true, you might handle a situation differently than I would. So mm-hmm. just throwing that out there. Either way, continue. <laughs> But uh, even though, yes, it is to a different officiating cruise, it kind of makes it of, like, how come every crew doesn't follow the same over- officiate the same way with the cautions? Mm-hmm. Obviously, a lot of the times we know, Devin, how NASCAR fans are, especially when it comes down to officiating and time of caution and all that. Right. NASCAR fans usually aren't going to be pleased no matter what. Right. But... I think in this situation, they should have thrown the caution once Cendric and Chastain went around just because they were at the front of the field. Hmm. Chastain was, was spun from the lead, and Cendric was third or fourth when he spun. But I think so it was, Cend- it was right. In- yeah, Cendric, I think, was second. Or not Cendric. Um, Chastain was behind Byron. But either way, I know what you're saying. They were, they so, were towards they the were, front. So they were, cause they were, just because they were in the front of the field, I think they should have thrown the caution because obviously the whole field is behind them. Right. If they were if they were in the back of the field, then I can see kind of why they waited because no cars have to go by. Right. I mean, and I I guess I see also where NASCAR is coming from because if if let's say the moment there's contact, NASCAR throws a caution, and what winds up happening is the two of them just spin and do donuts out in the in the grass and then can drive away. People are gonna say, "Well, we could have just kept racing. Why are we throwing mm-hmm. a caution?" Why are we throw? you know, now you're re-racking the field. You're taking more time to then probably cause another accident because then you have drivers in the back who are thinking, oh, this is my chance, you know? So I, I can see both sides, but, I mean, I will admit that I yelled at the TV. As soon as they made contact and were going down, I yelled at the TV, put it out, put it out, put it out. Like, like I was texting you doing the same thing. Yeah, like you I was. You me to do the same thing almost. Yeah, I was just like, put it out, put it out, put it Like, I was like, because I understand how close those caution counters could be, you know, and these guys are going the length of the football field a second. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean. Any other thoughts before I go on my little soap opera? <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I think it kind of, I mean, obviously they didn't ruin the race overall because I thought the 500 was the best. Some people on next thing was the best 500 in se- about seven years, which I don't know if I agree with. The racing was good, but I I, I feel like that over the last few years there's been some that were better, but I don't know. I kind of felt like the ending was a little anticlimactic because of the whole, the whole no caution thing. Yeah, no, I get that. I get that. No, no so- I'm not saying, obviously, I wanted a big one to happen, obviously, at the end, but I just felt like the ending was kind of like... Caution's out. Rough. Yeah. Race is over. Yeah. No, Kind of like how people at the Rolex 24 were like, the end of the race, like a minute late, early. A minute early, So everyone's, yeah. calling, this, everyone's calling this race the Daytona 497 <laughs> because it ended the last three miles. I mean, and the thing is, is, like, I think 
I haven't chimed in on anybody's threads on on X because I just I'm gonna say my piece and then somebody's gonna argue with it and it's just like all right I got better things to do with my time um, right. but uh, but like I think that NASCAR did like we have to give NASCAR props because they did in the heat of the moment they did what they felt was necessary and they followed the rule book yeah you know like, obviously that's that's what the rules say caution comes yeah, out after the white flag that one in a situation like that's a lose-lose situation for nascar they either throw it out and people are like you couldn't let them go go to the line or obviously in this case they got they waited for the, them to cross the line mm-hmm. and then they threw the, then they threw the caution it was like what it was like what yeah no i mean i saw somebody on on twitter i'm sorry x who said like you know how we had that caution line on the back straight away yeah they a lot would, of people want to bring that back well, too, or the, have the overtime bring the overtime line back. Well, they wanted the overtime line, but it was like instead of if you make it to this point, it doesn't matter the white flag. It was like if you make it to that point before caution or something. And I was like, yeah, it's like what? No, hold on, no, no, hold <laughs> on. It's already it's already somewhat complicated with things like what? Like I don't know, but um, no, I mean, like I said, I. I was yelling, put it out because I saw the contact. I understand how, again, they're going the length of the football field in a second. All of a sudden, boom, you know, you're at the line before somebody can press the button. But Mm -hmm. in my opinion, and I said this, I think, to you, I think I said it to a couple other people, NASCAR needs to be, and I assume they are, but I think NASCAR needs to be on that button, half pressed down, (laughs) towards the end of those races just because of how quick it happens you know especially at daytona right knowing that's always a big one like i even said i was watching the 500 with a friend here and i was like on on the big wreck where bowman pushed byron i i even said there's gonna be a there's gonna be a big wreck coming because they're going oh yeah they were swerving a lot more, and the, the, obviously they're making the aggress- moves are become more aggressive because it's coming down to the crunch time. So I felt the caution, the a big wreck coming. Right. So obviously, in one of those cases, obviously knowing that's because knowing a super speedway and how super speedways are, like Daytona, Talladega, I'll even consider Atlanta now because Atlanta races like a super speedway now. So you, I feel like you got to be co- be ready for the button at any time. And I think you're right. Especially in, coming to down to the right, end of the race like that. Right. I mean, and I think you're right in the sense that, you know, it's a lose-lose situation for NASCAR. Because, like what you said, you throw it too late, oh, well, you're you're ending the race prematurely. You throw the throw it too early, oh, you're just doing it for entertainment. You know, like it doesn't, it doesn't matter because no matter what, let's say that they do call the caution early and the two cars, like I say, go and just spin into the grass and drive away – you have at least a couple hundred motorsports fans going, oh, well, it's because they don't want us to win, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever. And I mean, and, and as much as that is, I don't want to say immature, but like, that's not the right word, but you got, you know what I mean? Like, it's the, the, the everyone's out to get me type mentality, <laughs> um, I guess. Like, you're, like, you're just, you can't win in that situation. And right. I mean, no matter what, I mean, even when they had the overtime line, it was a lose-lose situation. I mean, it was just, I don't know. I think NASCAR, I don't know, I guess for me, 
on the entertainment side of it, I would have rather seen a caution just because then you're going to finish the race or attempt to finish the race under green. Yeah. You know, like I think the, that's why people were, were annoyed because obviously the Daytona 500 is considered NASCAR of the regular season and yeah. people hate but that a race like that ending under caution. Right. It's like it's like them calling the Super Bowl because Kansas City didn't get the snap off on time and they're just like, Nope, that's it. Rules are rules. Mm-hmm. You lose. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and obviously if that happens, then that happens because again, that's the rules, but it's just not the ending anybody wants. But going back to what you said about the five hundred in general, I would agree that this felt like a really exciting five hundred because so I, you know, we've seen a handful of races at Daytona now. Usually at some point, usually in that third stage, they single file out and they go to the top of the racetrack. And it's mm-hmm. just a line of cars doing 200 miles an hour. And coming from, I've seen it on TV, I've seen it in person at Daytona last August, it could be boring. Like, and I'm not trying to be mean and be like, oh, NASCAR's boring, left turns. Like, not that at all. But, like, it can be tough to watch because you're sitting there watching it and nobody's moving. They're just logging laps, which strategy-wise, I understand. You know, you're trying to get mm-hmm. to the end. But I liked the fact that they didn't do that at any point. Like, it's, they stayed side by side for almost the entire race. And, yeah, you had, like, four or five cars get out and string out. And then the second lane would come back. Like, like that was exciting. And at any moment, you felt like something could, could break loose. And I think that I agree. I think it was a really good, really good 500 for sure. Um, I would agree with that. Yeah. So, I mean, the finish, I think, I think we both kind of agree with the, the thought of, oh, it's a lose-lose situation there. I think that you call the caution at the moment of contact, there's a chance that Sendra comes back up into the field and everyone goes, all right, that makes sense. But you call the caution at the moment of contact and there's a chance everyone spins down into the infield like NASCAR said they thought they were going to do. Mm -hmm. And then, boom. Now, (laughs) science would say that a curved part of the racetrack an eye, uh, object going straight is eventually going to hit the other side of the curve. Not saying that NASCAR's reasoning's a little out there, but like eventually that car is going to, even if it is go, even if it does go straight, <laughs> it's still going to hit a wall eventually. So, with that being said, I think they should have called the caution as soon as there was contact. But again. Every situation's different, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So it's it's tough, and again, it's like what we say when we're cover when we're calling athletic events here at the high school level or the college level or whatever. These officials, whether they're on the court or up in race control, are making a heat of the moment decision. What their gut feeling says, mm-hmm. and that's you know that's the human side of it. Everybody doesn't want AI to get involved, right? They want to keep it real. They want to keep it this. They want to keep it that. Okay, great. But then as soon as we make a human call, you have an issue with it. It's like, right. wait a minute. But kind of sticking with the 500 here real quick. Did you see this morning, uh, I think it was NBC that reported it, 
NASCAR is going to look into the cup team's fuel-saving strategies. Mm-hmm. How at some point they were racing three seconds slower than what they potentially could have been running. Yep. And speaking of that, I did see, but I didn't see that actual report, but I did see, uh, I would say, a very popular po- podcast in NASCAR is um, Action Detrimental. Oh, geez. And Denny Hammond actually addressed that issue. Okay. I haven't heard his podcast this week. With the uh, fuel saving strategy. And he talked about how he doesn't like it either. He he just wants to he he just wants to go out there and race. Mm. See, I don't. So in the heat of the moment, when I was watching the race, I didn't see anything right or wrong with it. I just saw it as this is what they're doing. You know, it's mm-hmm. the, it's kind of the same thing. I mean, I have basketball in my mind because we're covering basketball. It's kind of the same thing with if a team brings the ball down, and they elect to kill the 30 second shot clock and then get a shot off at the last second or in high school there's no shot clock here in new hampshire so they bring it down and they kill 45 seconds it's just a part of the game like i don't know i guess i didn't see anything wrong with it um but i could also understand where it's just kind of like we're trying to put a product out for the fans and having them ride around at half throttle is not necessarily a great product i guess i don't know i again i didn't see anything wrong with it mm-hmm. so i don't know that's uh huh but i will also say this though i don't think i don't think nascar getting involved should happen no i don't think so either like i don't I mean, I don't. I didn't. I will admit, I did not read the full article. I read the first couple paragraphs, but it just kind of, from the 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 general gist I was getting was that NASCAR was looking into it and then maybe trying to figure out a way to curve that. And it's like, well, hold on a minute here. Strategy is a part of sports, no matter what sport you're talking about. You know, I remember when they put in the stage breaks to try and help the TV contracts and everything. And everyone was like, Oh my gosh, strategy's out the window. I mean, we talked about it last year with the, or we off a podcast talked about it last year with the, uh, with the road courses. Mm -hmm. You know, we're going to take away stage breaks from the road courses. This way there's more strategy involved, but Mm -hmm. now stage breaks are back. Yeah. So it's like, wait, what? But I don't know. I guess that's going to be something we'll have to just see. See what NASCAR does. Yeah, probably. Hmm. It'll be interesting for sure. Um, do you want to, anything else on the 500? Um, I don't think so. I think we kind of covered. That was kind of the only thing that really we talked that really that was a storyline out of that race was obviously that ending, which is still being talked about, like you said today. Right. And it's been 48 hours now. Right, exactly. Um, no, I mean, and I think the one more thing about that whole fuel strategy saving thing, I thought it was also, like, I didn't care if it was thought it was right or wrong or whatever, but I also thought it was very inter- interesting to see the different strategies when you had your Toyotas come, your Fords come, your Chevys come, and then they were all on the track at different points trying to lap each other. Like, I thought that was kind of exciting. 
Um, mm-hmm. But again, I guess we'll just see what NASCAR finds with that. Um, all right. So let's back up to Friday night. So first of all, obviously Thursday night was the duels, but we already kind of talked about the 500. So why talk about the duels when we know what happens? Um, but then Friday night you have the truck race and they moved the ARCA race up from Saturday to Friday night. This way you were almost guaranteed or you were guaranteed to get the race in given the fact that Sunday or Saturday. And then we found out Sunday was going to be flooding season down in Daytona. Um, so I will admit I missed most of the truck race cause I had something going. I can't remember what I had going on. I think I had a game. Um, and then I saw half the ARCA race and fell asleep. <laughs> not because it was boring, folks. Not because it was boring. Just I had a long day. So, Jordan, <laughs> yeah, that's you lead us here. Well, obviously, I watched the um, the full race beginning to finish of both the truck and ARCA race. And obviously, the truck race and ARCA race were probably the talk of the weekend. And I believe they're still going to be. Obviously... As many people remember how the truck series race or the, how the truck series ended at Phoenix in November and how it was pretty much a demolition derby at the end. Mm. Yep. To where the championship race started at 10 on the East Coast time, obviously, because they're in Phoenix, so seven o'clock there local time for that area. But it didn't end until like two or I think it ended at like 2 a.m. So a four hour truck race, the race was probably, I think, like it was like 150 laps. Yeah, that's on a mile. Because it was an absolute wreck fest. And, of course, this NASCAR Truck Series director came out, I think, like a week ago, talked about how the series can be better than this because they didn't want a repeat of Phoenix. Mm. Unfortunately, Daytona was a repeat of Phoenix. Yeah, I did catch the last I, I don't think it. I don't think it ruined the race overall, but obviously the trucks were, were wrecking it. It felt like every two or three laps, there was a caution for a wreck. And that does that come down to just the, I mean, we talked about this last week. Does that come down to the idea that this is just your 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 entry-level series? You know, um, kind of like the go-karts at the short track on weekends. It's like, yeah, we got four or five-year-olds in here. Of course we're going to have accidents. And I'm not saying their I mean, truck guys are four or five, but you know what I mean? Like the entry level into NASCAR. So we're all running trucks and hoping that everything goes according to plan. Like, you know what I mean? I feel like it's obviously because it's on. It's pretty much in baseball terms. It, trucks are the double A hmm. of NASCAR. NASCAR. Mm-hmm. It's funny to be in the triple A. But a lot of the drivers are. Younger than us, Devin, and that says a lot because we're 22 and 20, 22, 23 years old. Right. So, but ha- having the drivers our age and younger, it kind of go shows how I don't want to say immaturity or inexperience. Yeah, I would say more inexperience. Obviously, Daytona, but the truck series is just naturally aggressive from right. green flag to checkered flag. Right, because you had some big yeah. names. You've had some big names in the series who were even involved in those accidents, or in part involved in part of the reason for the accidents. I and, mean, and only as old as our parents. <laughs> only so thirty-six trucks started that race in the truck series. Mm-hmm. Eighteen of them finished. Nice. 
So half the field was literally wrecked. Oh my goodness. And a lot of the trucks that were taken out were on lap four or lap six, but whatever the first big one happened was on, it was either lap four or lap six. And uh, they ended up breaking a caution record at the track for uh, the series at Daytona, which was 12. That was a new record, and they broke it still with, like, 40 laps left in the race. And obviously, we've, as many people may or may not know, Bring the NASCAR teams a lot of money. Yep. Especially when you come back with wrecked race cars. I think right. it was Jordan Anderson racing in the truck series or Ryum racing. The owner of that Daytona, he was interviewed by Front Stretch and he gave an estimate that his trucks would briefly cause $100,000 in damages alone from that one race because of everything that happened. And I will still say the truck race was still a good race. It was still fun to watch. It came down to the wire. They did have, they obviously, they had an overtime finish, but Nick Sanchez got his first career truck series win. Congrats to him. Obviously, he had a strong year last year, his rookie year, but starting the year off with a win was great to see. But another thing that kind of was the talk of the town was Rajak Kurtz moved near the end of the race, right. which I assume you saw, Devin. Yep. The aggressive oh, yeah. late block that Kruth put on that kind of hooked the driver and wrecked everyone from third on back pretty much on the last lap. And it caused uh, Raja Kruth's uh, mentor, Bubba Wallace, to talk to him after after the race, which Fox camera showed. But obviously Bubba kind of wanted to talk to him privately, so he kind of pulled Kruth away. Mm. And uh, a lot of drivers I know weren't happy with Kruth at the end of it. I think it was... Obviously, Kruth is still a young driver. He's had a lot of talent. I think he just made a mistake, which he usually doesn't do very often. Right. So I think that was just a mistake on his part. And uh, he even said at the end that he knows it was a mistake. He ended up finishing third because obviously he was not involved in that wreck. But, yeah, it was just not something you want to see from the truck series when half the field – there's 36 trucks that enter and 18 of them finish. Yeah, no, that's not, that's never, that's never good. Um, yeah, I mean, from what I saw, it wasn't anything, like, I mean, it wasn't anything overly productive on the truck race. Like, and I think they finally got through it. Um, but I know towards the end, I, I, you know, I tuned in for probably the last 20 or so laps and it was, I don't know. It was, it was a race that felt like they just were trying to just get it done. And I'm not saying they being in like specific to race control or race teams or race drivers. Like I'm saying everybody in general, like it just kind of seemed like, you know, it was all right. We're gonna log laps. We just wrecked. Let's just stay off each other and just try and try and string together four or five laps. Okay, now let's go after each other. Ah, we wrecked again. Like I don't know. <laughs> it, it it just. Huh. I think the end of that race was on par for what you normally see. I mean, mm-hmm. we've seen a couple different times where the big one happens off turn number two, and here we are, yellow flag at the end of the straightaway, and you have a winner. Um. But the way it started, I think, was also on par for how the race was in general. 
Oh, yeah, for sure. So, do the trucks race this weekend at Atlanta? Yes. So, I'd be interested to see or hear what race controller NASCAR has to say to them because they're going to a somewhat similar type racetrack. Just a little bit smaller <laughs> and tighter. <laughs> but you're still right. going to a drafting super speedway track. So, I'd be interested to see what uh, or how NASCAR handles it. To be a fly on the wall during that driver's meeting. No, definitely. But then we ran ARC. Oh, God. Sorry. Go, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to move on to ARCA, but I feel like you That's had something. That's exactly what I'm going to do, too. Oh, well, then. <laughs> Perfect. So then you had the ARCA race Friday night. I caught the first half of it. Um, and it seemed promising. And then a couple accidents here and a couple accidents there. Um, drivers calling out other drivers. That was fun. <laughs> go yes. ahead, go ahead, Jordan. You lead us through this one. <laughs> um, obviously, just like the truck series, there was a big arc wreck on lap four, and one of the, and it was more of those. Everyone kind of knows the reputation Arca has. Mm-hmm. Arca has a lot of an experienced racer, but also a lot of really good drivers as well. Right, but um. It was something you definitely don't want to see again because obviously it's Daytona and the reputation ARCA has. And after the truck race that what happened, ARCA was pretty much the same thing. There was a big wreck on lap four because the eventual race winner took out his own teammate that caused a big wreck. And obviously, he ended up winning the race, which was Gustine, which turned out to not be a fan favorite uh, by the end of that race. So, he, right. uh, so obviously, that happened. Gustine had a late block on his teammate, Tony Breidinger. Mm. And obviously, I think we both saw the interview clip of uh, on Fox, on well, FS1, of what Breidinger had to say about it. Yep. And, uh, and even at the end... He, I forget who his team, Jake Finch, I believe, his other teammate was starting in the front row, and we're starting in the front row on their uh, overtime. And Arca's different, obviously, they just do it one, one time, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Gustine apparently said that, or Finch said that Dean agreed to have a, uh, a teammate restart, which I don't quite know what that means, but I guess that means I I would assume it means they help each other out pretty much. Right, probably. Whether it be a I but, slow the lineup and you move down, or we start behind, yeah, something like that. Gus Dean, however, changes mind without telling Finch. Strike two. And what eventually ended up causing was Dean ended up wrecking Finch. Yikes. So overall, at the end, the race winner, Dean, was not very liked by other ARCA drivers, but also two of his teammates as well. Yep. I, uh... Because Finch was so, Finch was asked, I watched the, a clip from Front Stretch of Finch's interview after the race, and uh, he definitely was not too pleased with uh, Dean at the end of the race. But 
I don't know. It was, it was, it was just another thing where it's like, can this race just be over with? Yeah. Because the truck race was what it was. Was the pretty much demolition derby, but Arca was like, we can't be out. We can't be out. Out beat. We have to do it. <laughs> the Arca race in eighty was eighty laps, and it took three hours. They started at it was eleven. Nine. Oh, I thought it was like nine thirty. They started at eleven. Oh right. Eleven thirty. Their truck. The truck race didn't end until two thirty that in the morning. Two thirty in the morning. Mm-hmm. Or Arca ended at two thirty in the morning. The Arca. Oh, okay. Arca did. I say, how did the truck race start later? Or <laughs> but yeah, I meant Arca. I meant Arca, but so it was more of a lot of drama because Arca has the reputation already of a lot of aggressive drivers for no reason. Daytona was no exception of a big one. Obviously, one of the storylines going into the race, obviously, was uh, Shane Van Gisbergen not qualifying mm. into the Arca race, who needed that track time to be approved for the Xfinity race. It turned out one of the teams withdrew. No one knew why until an NASCAR reporter, I forget who, did the research. Shane Van Gisbergen's team paid that team $100,000, $100,000 to uh, <laughs> withdraw to give Shane, to give uh, SVG uh, some track time. I did not see that report, so I'm going to go off of what you're saying. But if anybody out there is going, that's and wrong. Jordan's and obviously, Arca Menard series, they don't really make teams don't make that much. So obviously, $100,000 is a lot of money to them. So obviously, like, yeah, well, back out. Obviously, it sucks to be that driver. It's like, oh, I qualified, and I can't do it because my team withdrew. But it kind of stinks because SVG, they did all that work, and SVG wrecked out on lap four on the big wreck. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's – yeah, I don't know. I don't have any comments on that other than wrecking out on lap four no matter what the circumstances <laughs> leading up to it is just not – that's not a great move. <laughs> that's not – it's not a good – not a good way. Especially when the driver does an aggressive block. Right. That early in the race where it's just like you just took out half the field and it's only lap four. Right. Exactly. It's – and I think for SVG, it was definitely one of those situations where he just he learned a quick lesson. Yes, he did. Like what super speedway race it can be like. Yeah, like, and I don't think it was anything where it was like, oh, he Shane caused this accident. No, no, it was just he he learned real quick on how reaction times work at a Daytona at Daytona when it comes to a wreck. You know, it's the same thing we saw with Deegan. Um, Haley Deegan in the Xfinity race, similar similar situation. He had a caution, you know, handful of laps in, and uh, all of a sudden, Haley Deegan's involved. What happened? Well, she ran into the back of somebody, and it's like, wait, how? But anyways, we'll get to that in a minute. Any final thoughts here on Arca? Um, I mean. I want, I want to say it was a good race, too, but I feel like it was just overshadowed with the, all the cautions they had. Because, again, that they didn't have a green – I feel like they, their longest green flag run was five laps. Obviously, that's probably more of an exaggeration. But with all the wrecks they had, it really felt like it was all overshadowed with all the cautions and all the Gustine stuff, which congrats to him. Obviously, he's still the winner. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, I think it was just a tough race – day for racing overall very expensive day for racing at daytona that day obviously with the truck race having half the field not finished and arca uh, arca may have been even a little more than half the field that didn't finish right so 
No, and Arca had 40 cars, so. Right. No, that's, yeah, that's a tough, that's a tough Friday night. And one thing I will say, too, as I forgot to mention, was one of the not-so-talked-about stories was Justin Bonsignor, obviously mm. three-time NASCAR Wheel Modified Tour champ, made his uh, stock car debut in the Ackermanard Series at Daytona, and obviously he ended up having an engine issue or some some kind of car issue, not his doing, mm. but so he finished like 32nd or 30th, something like that, maybe even like in the mid-late 20s, but... He had a real. He looked really good for someone that one hasn't ever raced a super speedway or stock car before. He was ran in the top ten all race long until he had that the mechanical issue. I was gonna say I noticed that too in the the limited time I saw the rate part of the race. Um, I will say that my DVR did not record the second half of the race. I went back and looked for it on Saturday, but anyways, um, no, I mean the parts that I did see, he definitely was. He did have a solid solid start, which is good because then. Does he have a ride for the rest of the year with Arco, or is, or is this just a one-off? Um, I think that might have just been a one-time thing. Oh, okay. Well, half the race then could be could be promising for the future, but I guess we'll find out. Yes. So, um, do you have any other final thoughts on the truck or Arca before we move on to Xfinity and look ahead to Atlanta? I do not. All right. Great. Well, let's uh, let's move on over to Xfinity. So obviously the Xfinity series is supposed to run Saturday evening and before before what was it noon on Saturday NASCAR came oh, was, out was it even earlier yeah. it, I think it uh, no it wasn't earlier because uh what time the Xfinity practice was at 1:30 oh, that day right. and they had the window which which was honestly shocking for people at the track they got the, they like got qualifying all day Saturday and all day Sunday. Right, right. They got qualifying. So in. They ended up getting that. that window to get qualifying in, which was good for the drivers that needed to ma- try to make it in. Natalie Decker being one, obviously, Haley Deacon because she has no points to rely on had to try to make it in. Frankie Nunez. So it was good for a lot of those drivers that got to have a chance to qualify. Right. Because obviously going home because you can't qualify because the weather kind of sucks. But yeah, they were supposed to, and then the Xfinity was supposed to be at. I think like 5.30 on Saturday, and then they moved it to 4.30, and obviously they never got it in. Got moved to 11 a.m. on Monday, and Mother Nature said, yeah, you thought. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and so I... After the 500, which I think might have been the first time the Daytona 500 wasn't the last race of the Speed Weeks. Might have been, yeah. No, I know it was the first time they ran 800 miles in one day. Um, but yes, you're right. I totally forgot that they got qualifying in. Um, so they get qualifying in, then NASCAR moves it over, as you said, to 11 a.m. and then moves it to 9 p.m. Um, tough. <laughs> that just kind of... So Monday I was dropping off, doing some errands, I should say, and uh, I threw on Sirius XM at, like, it was 10 o'clock. Like, I was like, oh, we probably got Xfinity pre-race. And that's when they had announced that they were moving the Xfinity race to later. And they had Parker Kligerman on the on the show, and they said, well, Parker, what do you think about this? And he was just kind of like, well, you know, I get it. It makes sense. You know, you're trying to make sure everything goes according to plan. He goes, but just from us as a drivers and a team standpoint, it's now, you know, just the logistics side of it. You know, instead of taking a plane out of here at 2, I now got to take a plane out of here at 2 a.m., you know, or whatever. Um, So interesting that NASCAR called it for the Xfinity almost an hour or two before each start time 
Um, whereas with the cup race on Sunday morning, they called it before it was all, before it was noon. Some similar. Well, that's because everyone kind of everyone kind of knew the whole speed weeks that the five hundred was probably not happening on Sunday. Right. Like I don't know if you follow uh, race weather on X. Mm-hmm. They were giving constant updates, and they said there's probably like a five percent chance five hundred runs at all on Sunday. Yeah, they called it. So I was fully expecting a Monday five hundred, which obviously stinks because obviously all the excitement to the five hundred, and then oh, we have to wait another day. <laughs> right, but I mean, and go not to go back to the five hundred because we kind of talked about it already, but it it was worth the wait. You know, you started; yes. it was a beautiful day. They, you know, the Thunderbirds were still able to do their things. You still had the Rock there. You know, yeah, Pitbull wasn't able to do his pre-race concert, but he said he'll be back in twenty twenty-five. Like, yeah. you know, you have all these. Like, as much as it stunk that we had to wait a day, it still worked. Yeah. Like, it was probably the best situation. R- rather wait yeah, a day than sit around and wait for it to rain, right? And then be like, hey, just so you know, we're gonna do it tomorrow, anyways. <laughs> like. Um, and it was a good race. But Xfinity Series rolls out an hour or so after the cup race. Um, and this was another one of those races that I personally, and I apologize, I personally saw half of it, and I've yet to go back to watch the end of it. Um, my DVR did record it, though, so I will go back and watch the end of it. <laughs> but, but, I mean, even then, though, we kind of talked about it during the ARCA Series part. You know, early race accident with um. You had. It was Kyle Weatherman, Haley Deacon, Sam Aaron Suarez. Thank you. I was thinking about the one with um with Jesse Love, but that was later. Um, but yes, mm-hmm. you had that. Um, SVG and that one actually. The Xfinity was along the longest running green flag at the beginning. They wrecked their first wreck was lap seventeen. Mm. The Cuffs was lap six. The Arca was lap four. Structure lap five. So Xfinity was overall, I would say, obviously the cup was overall too, but for the lower series, I don't want to call Xfinity lower series, but the series lower than the cup series, the Xfinity was obviously the cleanest race of the weekend. And it's still, I would say, a pretty solid Xfinity race, which there's nothing new to the Xfinity series. I feel like every weekend is always a really solid race. No, for sure. I mean, I agree with that. And I did catch the highlights for anybody listening at home going, Devin is just not... He's not. But anyways, I did catch the highlights. And I think, you know, Jesse Love goes out, dominates stage one, wins the rate, wins stage one, comes down pit road, gets pit, gets tires, fuel, whatever he did. Then he's put back in the back and they immediately called it from the broadcast point of view. They're like, well, we're going to have to see how he does. And he goes from the bottom to the middle. Michael Waltrip says, "Woo, that was a pretty good move. And then off turn number two, he gets a bad push. And... Around he goes, big wreck down the back straight away, and a bummer for Jesse Love. Yeah, obviously, bummer for him in his Xfinity Series debut. But honestly, if I was him, I would have kept my head up. You won the you won it. He won the pole, in his first ever Xfinity Series attempt mm-hmm. or start, I should say. Start, yeah. Won the pole, obviously won stage one, but obviously. Yeah, I'm so super serious. So people can like, oh, he may, who knows? He, that could be all his only pull of the year. I would say it's probably not going to be. Right. He's in Jesse a Jesse Love and Arca last year. Arca and Arca Menard series last year, Jesse Love won 10 to 20 races. Right. He's a and solid driver. 50% of the races, uh, 
yeah, you're, you, you're pretty good. Right. So obviously he, he doesn't even need a truck race right now. He's here in Xfinity full time driving the two car for RCR. Obviously Sheldon Creed went to JGR driving the 18. And, uh, I think it was really Sterling out of the Xfinity series was really, uh, Austin Hill versus Sheldon Creed, and who would have saw that coming? Mm, right. <laughs> I mean, especially, obviously, uh, we kind of, people know, some people may not, of what happened at the near the end of the Xfinity Series season last year at Martinsville in the round of eight. Sheldon Creed did an aggressive mood be, move because, obviously, he had to win to make the championship for it. Right. Did an aggressive mood that caused his teammate Austin Hill to spin out, not finish the race. Or maybe he did. I don't know. It was the last lap. Sheldon Creed obviously ended up finishing second, so he got eliminated. But Austin Hill was not very pleased with Sheldon Creed, as was Richard Childress was on the same page with Austin Hill. Yep. And uh, they battled it out pretty much all of between st- and stage two and stage three because Austin Hill won stage two and Sheldon Creed finished third. But, I mean, very uh, – Great battle between the two, two former teammates. I can't, it was kind of a, an awkward moment. I texted you this because I believe you were watching the community race at the time when Andy Petrie, uh, who works for RCR, said how great Austin Hill and Sheldon Creed worked together <laughs> when they were teammates. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of sense the uh, awkwardness in the uh, Fox booth when he said that. <laughs> and NASCAR Twitter was kind of like, did Petrie just say that? Did he just <laughs> say that? Because everyone kind of knows. I mean, it's not like they hate each other all year, but they definitely did not work well together i don't think right. there no, were definitely times they didn't and so it's kind of like that's not true but mm. i mean definitely a good battle between those two obviously austin hill who i mean what else can you say about him at daytona he's won the three straight series openers now mm-hmm. on the community race at daytona now obviously so uh he just knows how to win at daytona obviously a lot of people are like oh i stayed up for the community race to see austin hill win Kind of, <laughs> but uh, I mean, I think that's more because Austin has six career cup uh, Xfinity wins now, and he, three of them are at Daytona. Right, and that's kind of like another one. I feel like Austin will only wins at Super Speedways, which might be true. I mean, he ran, he won at Atlanta last year. I don't remember if it was the spring or the um the fall race. Fall race, but he did win Atlanta once, and that's a Super Speedway. He won the spring race. Couldn't even check one the summer. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, it's... I don't know. I think that that... But I think when it comes to your Creed versus um, Hill type deal, it's just going to be two magnets who stay together. <laughs> they're both really good drivers. They're both really... You know, they're in good equipment now. Both of them... Um, they were... I'm, I'm going to... And I'm going to assume uh, that's not going to be the last time they battle for out for the win or stage win. Right. I mean, and now I think it's even more interesting because here we are. Last year, they're, they're teammates. So it's kind of like, oh, that's a teammate. you got to be careful. It's got to, you know, be, be easygoing. Now they're different teams. You know, now exactly. it, it's no longer the give and take. It's the what's the difference between us first and second. You know, it doesn't matter if we have a competition meeting together on Monday now. It's the only difference is, is who's high, finishing higher. So I think that's – you're right. That's going to be interesting to watch throughout – excuse me, throughout the uh, throughout the season here. Yeah. But, I mean, obviously, um, 
going back to that Martinville incident, Austin Hill was uh, interviewed after, and he even said he's looking forward to next year when Sheldon Creed is not with RCR. Because mm-hmm. obviously, I think it was announced, or maybe it was already leaked at that point, that Sheldon Creed was going to JGR at that point. Right. I remember and, that. And uh, I, I think Austin Hill was like, it's going to, I can't wait till he's with JGR next year and out of this team. And I don't know, a lot of people had an interesting take on it after the Daytona. A lot of people think Creed kind of backed off because on the final lap, Hill just pulled away from Creed. Mm. All of a sudden, like Creed just slowed down. So I don't know, if a lot of people thought, oh, NASCAR scripted. <laughs> NASCAR is rigged for Austin Hill to win. But I mean, I think though, I mean, a lot of people also said, which I thought was interesting, that RCR gave Austin Hill better equipment at RCR. Because obviously, Austin, a lot of people said Austin Hill's car was more, was way better than Sheldon Creed's was. And obviously, they're in the same team, same equipment. Mm-hmm. But it just seems like Austin Hill's car is constantly good. Even if he doesn't win, he he's always in the top 10. Right. And I mean, even Austin Hill in this race, he was involved in a, a good record halfway through the race and everyone's like oh he's Michael Walsh was like oh, Mike he might be done and all of a sudden here he is 20 laps later he's in the top five again and it's like where did he come from right right I noticed that too like I was like holy cow he's but back I will say going back to because uh, I know we talked about it last week uh Haley Deegan from going from the truck to Xfinity at AM racing obviously not the debut she wanted wrecking 20 laps in right Obviously, it's not something really her fault, but obviously, Soares, who obviously did 800 miles all yesterday, mm. or Monday, rather, he he was involved in the spin. He came up the track, kind of came right in front of Deegan, and Deegan rear-ended him. Right. At the same time, because we were talking about it as it happened, it seemed like Deegan either didn't use her brakes or maybe wasn't prepared for Soares to be there, because I felt like Deegan had time to move. Right. Obviously, obviously, you have to have quick reflex when you see a driver. Obviously, because there's smoke on the ter- in the turns. Obviously, so who knows really what Deegan saw? Because I don't think they had. I don't think she had an onboard camera for that race. So I don't think they quite could see. We could see her point of view if there, she just drove through the smoke and all of a sudden there was Suarez's car or not. But she finished 37th of 38. Obviously not. The finish she wanted, but obviously it's a super speedway, so obviously it's Daytona. We talked about Daytona, how Daytona can be fluky and all that, and a lot of luck's involved. Right. I still think she's gonna have a a better year than what she did in trucks. Obviously, trucks. She was in top tier equipment for the last two years in Thor Sport, and only had like two top tens, I believe. And um. A lot of people, I think, get on her a lot because I kind of like compare her to Danica Patrick. Mm. And we all kind of know how Danica Patrick's NASCAR career turned out. Mm-hmm. But I still think she'll have a, a bounce back year. Obviously, the truck series, you can't really go off a skill on that because obviously they're having huge issues right now with aggressiveness from Phoenix, now, to Day- now Daytona, and but one thing I will say is uh, SVG, he was in the Xfinity race. Obviously, he did get approved. He drove the 97 car, his first full-time uh, 
starting the Xfinity series, his first star in the Xfinity series in general. He uh that was the definition of uh surviving till the very end. I don't know if you saw what his car looked like at the end of the Xfinity race. It wasn't but exactly his car was great. all taped up. He was involved, he spun four times, I think. He was involved in a good one. Obviously, he made a mistake and hit the left end fender of Jeb Burton when spun Jeb Burton out. Mm-hmm. Burton obviously wasn't happy with SVG and uh, SVG apologized, obviously saying that was a mistake on my part. But I feel like I want to see what SVG is like mad because even he finished 12th with a busted up car, like taped, his front end was taped. It was like and he can't. He comes out of his car smiling, saying, "Oh, that was fun." <laughs> so <laughs> I want to know what it he would be like when he's not happy, because I feel oh, like yeah. he's always happy. Especially he did have a really nice save though on the front stretch. Mm, I did see that. He got spun, hit Burton again. Burton did blame SVG for it, but I don't really think it was SVG's fault. I think it was kind of just a uh, one of those racing incidents, and. uh SVG actually spun on the grass and kept it straight. Like it was a, re- I don't know if you ever saw a clip of it, but it was a really good save by him. And it really shows, even though it's his first time, like in, Xfinity, in an Xfinity car, that ha- just how good he is behind a wheel of any kind of race car. Because obviously, he's one of the best in supercars, three championships. I think they said like 81 wins he had. Yeah. So obviously, SVG, really impressive Xfinity debut at Daytona, finishing 12th with a, car that really didn't look like he could finish in the top 15 no i agree Probably the car that looks like he could really finish the race in general i'm excited to see what he does as the season progresses i mean obviously daytona is like trial by fire you get thrown in there and it's just like good luck and you hope that you hope that you finish in one piece and to finish 12th in your first ever start in an xfinity car after running what 10 laps in the arca race as we mentioned, yeah. you know, to not have much experience in the draft and everything, and then to come out and finish 12th after the race, and yeah, your car looks like, you know, it's destroyed, but, like, at the same time, to still be able to finish 12th, that's probably mm-hmm. why he was just like, mm-hmm. heck yeah, that was, so, sorry, sorry for the accidents, the, but, woo! And while we're on talk about that, we we mentioned it during uh, Xfinity qualifying when they had the window, was uh, Natalie Decker, one of the drivers that had to race in, obviously, I don't think she's she hasn't been in an Xfinity car in a while, in a couple of years, I think. Mm. She led a few laps, obviously, during green flag pit stops, but she still, it still counts the same. She led about, she led a few laps, actually. Let's see if I can find out how many she led. Oh, I can't find out, but she led a lot of laps. She finished 18, so mm. she had a really impressive showing as well, and as did Ryan Ellis. But one person I was really happy to see finish well was Brandon Jones. Yeah. Second year with JRM now, obviously last year was not probably the best year he wanted, especially with in that nine car where he's kind of filled in for Noah Gregson. And we know what Noah Gregson did in 2022 in that car. Gregson, Jones did not have the year he wanted last year, but he started 26th or 22nd in the Xfinity race. He finished ninth. Right. So obviously he had a really great finish, finishing just behind his teammate, Justin Allgaier. But I'm really excited to see what Brandon Jones does in his second year with JRM. Obviously, JRM's top tier equipment, so everyone was like, why is Brandon Jones not doing well? But obviously, going from two different teams could be tough, especially in the Xfinity series. 
Right. To especially going from a Toyota to a Chevy, obviously different manufacturers, different team in general. So mm-hmm. should be interesting. And Chandler sure. Smith, I mean, obviously we know he can do truck series, Arca series, and Xfinity series last year. He finished fifth in his JGR debut driving the 81. So he had an impressive showing, which obviously as expected. I mean, he he got a win last year, so excited to see what he does with JGR and Sammy Smith. He had a strong showing, as as did uh, Jordan Anderson. They almost had, pulled off a uh, Cinderella story with Parker Retzlaff finishing third and Jordan Anderson, the owner, finishing fourth. Jordan Anderson was actually leading the last few laps, too, obviously. Mm-hmm. Obviously, very disappointed he did not win because he sat in the car for a couple minutes, but in the interview, we kind of realized he's not usually – his team's usually not at the front a lot. So, obviously, it's something they can build on, give team confidence of, like, oh, maybe we can run in the front. Obviously, it's a super speedway, and obviously a lot of underdogs win, but I'm really impressed with showing all, all around. Yeah, I think for a good – it's a good – like, for those drivers, it is a good – good opening weekend and i think like going back to like a driver like svg and natalie decker and anderson i think that's a great stepping off point you know going into atlanta going into the race after that that off the top of my head i can't remember where um but uh i think it's i think it's good i think if they had solid weekends and i think as much as the race might have been iffy itself i think for individual drivers it was a really good really good start to the season mm-hmm. I, re- I would agree so any other final thoughts here from you on xfinity before we preview and look ahead to atlanta i do not have any no okay all right so atlanta a similar super speedway style racetrack just a mile shorter than daytona a mile and a half high banked narrow racetrack that's kind of producing the same type of um Super Speedway like racing. Let's go through the schedule here real quick. We have all three series running on Friday. The only thing on track is qualifying for the uh, Truck Series and the Xfinity Series. On Saturday, we have Cup qualifying um, and then the Truck Race at 2 and the Xfinity Race at 5. And then on Sunday, we have the Ambetter Health 400 for the NASCAR Cup Series at 3. Not a lot of on-track time. Kind of goes back to what we have talked about in the past about limited practice time and i mean both these series and once again once again the cup series track qualifies before practice again there's no practice even after that but this is different though where on the cups i'm looking on the nascar app and according to that it says qualifying is at 11 30 a.m on saturday and then at 12 50 p.m is practice one i'm not even seeing that on my app on my end Huh. Interesting. All right, well, that makes more sense then because I was like, why are we doing a practice qualifying session and then a race? But that makes more sense. Okay. Um, Either way, truck race Saturday at 2, 5 p.m. Xfinity race on Saturday, and then cup race on Sunday at 3. Something I'm interested to, to look into this weekend is... How so? Atlanta. Every track goes through their their aging process, right? And 
a track like Daytona, although it has its bumps here and there now, it's relatively smooth from when it was repaved back in, I think it was 2011. I mean, obviously there's some patchwork here and there, um, but they don't have the, the frosting. Like, they don't have the, the, the frost heaves and things like that. Atlanta, although it's only six hours north of Daytona, or maybe eight hours north of Daytona, it still goes through the uh, the the winter-ish type, you know, things you'd see up here in New Hampshire. So I'm interested to see Atlanta. What, like, yeah, but like not as going to be it's going to be sixties all weekend. Well, no, 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 no. What I'm saying is uh, track, like asphalt wise, it's going to settle. You're going to have new bumps, you know, things like that. Like you're going to like. A month ago, they had the colder temperatures that might have resulted in, you know, that winter-ish type thing you or situations you deal with up here in New Hampshire is what I'm saying. And I'm intrigued to see. I mean, we saw year one. This is year three of running on this configuration. You saw year one. There's a huge bump off turn number two. Yeah. So before in between the spring and the summer date, they repaved that patch of track and it got rid of that. But then year two, you started to see some of the bumps in turn one and two start to come back. My point is, is I'm intrigued to see what this track has, how it's settled even more so from last summer. Um, mm-hmm. Because when you have a track that is supposed to be super speedway style racing and you're supposed to be running flat out, well, as soon as you have a bump, depending on how big the bump is, that could be enough to throw the wheel out of a driver's hand, causing him to lift, and now all of a sudden, now you're not having a flat out lap. So I'm, I'm just, I'm when, just saying, I'm interested to see if that even, ha- if the track changed at all, and or how that affects the racing. One thing I will say though is, uh, it doesn't feel like it's going to be a race weekend next weekend. What do you mean? This weekend in Atlanta, there's only one percent chance of rain. Well, that'll change. No, I'm just kidding. Doesn't it doesn't it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like a race weekend because obviously Mother Nature had a career year last year and obviously already she's she's coming back and it's like no racing for you guys. Clearly, clearly Atlanta's one percent chance rain. of rain. That's like that's like oh my god, I feel like gotta have a NAS, the NASCAR fan base has to have a celebration for oh, that. Yeah, oh my goodness, <laughs> for the first time and I feel like a while something oh is not gonna like oh it's not gonna happen. Right, exactly. No, I mean that's ex- that's exciting in itself. Um, you know, we've always kind of you and I have wanted to go down there and camp, and like if that ever happens, and that's the type of weather that's like the best news ever. You know, hey, just yes. so you know, you're gonna go camp and you're not gonna get rained on. <laughs> it was kind of like that when we were out loud in this past year. It was like, oh, Sundays were washed out. Friday looked like it was gonna be, and then nothing came. Yeah. And then Thursday, it was like, oh, where'd this come from? Exactly. Where'd this rain come from? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, Jordan, your thoughts going into Atlanta this weekend? Obviously, round two of a super speedway type race. But your thoughts? I kind of just threw in some of my thoughts. But go ahead. Um. Obviously, it's going to be interesting. I'm really looking to see how the truck series <laughs> delivers after Daytona, and especially with the series director goes, guys, we have to stop this. <laughs> Settle down. And boys. especially the super Girls. speedway, where they really. Race is like a super speedway. Obviously, the fit configuration works like it, but obviously, mile and a half, you know, it doesn't really consider super speedway like Talladega, Daytona, because obviously those are both two and a half miles long. But I mean, I'm really excited to see. I feel like Atlanta always delivers a great race weekend, yeah. and especially now because uh, 
Atlanta, the second Atlanta day is now in the playoffs. Mm. Second week of the playoffs with at least the cup series. So I'm excited to see how it plays out this weekend to see. Obviously, it could change because it's going to be probably a lot hotter in Atlanta than it would be at that time because it's going to be 60s this week. I can imagine that that by that point, it's going to be 70s or 80s. So yeah, it'll be, the track it'll might be, be a little different, but I'm looking forward to see how it races to see kind of what we can prepare for come playoff time when they go back. Yeah, no, I agree with that, and I think – I think you'll be interested. Like I like I said earlier in the show, I think it would be great to kind of be a fly on the wall for that driver's meeting for the truck series <laughs> to kind of be like, let's settle down here. And I think with the Xfinity series, you know, seeing these drivers such as uh, Deegan and SVG and um, even like Creed and Hill, like let's see how week two is now. You know, now we're kind of mm. the, the hype and the excitement of Daytona has come and gone. Now let's settle in and go. Um, same thing with the Cup Series. Uh, excited to see, you know, who who rises to the top. I mean, yes, Atlanta is considered this this super speedway type race that anybody can win, but at the same time, it's it's a narrow mile and a half now, so track position is huge. Yes, you can make moves. Yes, you can move around, but it's not like Daytona where you could just be like, let's make a third lane because that third lane is rubbing up against the outside wall you know, or right along the bottom. So it's, I'm interested, I'm definitely intrigued to see how these races go and it should be fun for sure. Yeah, definitely. So I guess we're only like an hour or so in, but I guess if we have nothing else to say, then we'll just keep this a short, short show, I guess. We're just kind of totally flying by the seat of our pants here. I mean, obviously it's so early, like in the race season in general, because yeah. IndyCar doesn't start for a couple more weeks. Their first race is March 10th. Yeah, it's around that, or the 17th, or something like that. March, yeah, March 10th, the Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg. So, obviously, a couple more weeks for them, obviously. Actually, this might be a shocker to everyone, but Formula One did their first day of testing today. Mm. And uh, Max Verstappen was the fastest by a whole second. Really? That's surprising. Shocker, right? <laughs> now, yeah, it's mind-blowing. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Now, I mean, definitely Formula One returns in probably about a month or so. Um, sports cars go back to Sebring in about uh, three weeks or so. So definitely kind of a quieter time on the schedule, but happy to see NASCAR's back. Um, it was a wet weekend in Daytona, but they got all four races in without anything being cut short. They were definitely testing the noise ordinances at Daytona, but you know, it uh, they host a twenty-four hour long race. It's fine over there. Um, but next time the Cup Series goes to Daytona, uh, Jordan and I will be down there. So maybe we'll have some by then in August. We'll have some fun with the podcast, and maybe we'll bring a microphone. We'll interview some fans. And we'll be at Loudon as well. No, oh, of course we, of course we'll be there in June. But Daytona's <laughs> Daytona, man. That's my birthday. Okay. That was my birthday. Heck yeah. So we'll figure it out. Obviously, we have some ideas when it comes to maybe doing some podcasting stuff there. It depends on if we get a big enough audience and a big enough crowd and fan base. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe I'm thinking too far ahead. But uh, one thing, I mean, obviously, we talked about like a couple of hours ago was for Loudon and uh, Daytona. And now, uh, well, for me, would be uh, kind of getting media credentials, kind of give. Uh, 
I mean, I, I don't know how we would do it because we're a podcast, but I guess yeah, we'll have to look kind of interview that. drivers and kind of get audio clips for from I guess the races. Yeah, I know. Like, I, know. I, thought, I thought about um, obviously I'm a big fan. I follow the Wheel of Modified Tour. Obviously, I know you do, mm-hmm. but they come to uh, New Hampshire May fourth, so for the Grand State Derby, and I was planning on uh, I was going to that race probably anyway. Yeah, I mean, I would and, be intrigued. Um, I know that. I thought about I thought about seeing if I could get media credentials for it and kind of I think do some behind yeah stuff there. I mean, I'll definitely I'm all for looking into it. I think that. Obviously, we both we're both new to that side of the media world, so we'll just have to play it by ear or play the rule. Be you know work with inside the rules and go from there. So definitely like the idea, but we'll see what we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with the podcast in general. I mean, we're only three episodes in. We're still young. We're so young. We're young. Podcast is young. We'll see. We'll see where it goes, but uh. But yeah, so if you don't have any other, I don't know, any other final thoughts leaving Daytona or heading into Atlanta, I guess I guess that's the show, folks. Any final thoughts? Anything else? Uh, I do not know. All right. Well, then I guess that's the show. Uh, we want to say thank you to everybody who's been watching or listening to our podcast. Definitely spread the new word. Um, obviously, we're still, as I just said, very young and very new, but growth is growth and we're excited to see that um definitely like i said share it with your friends families everybody uh possibilities are endless with this so we'll see where where it goes but um yeah daytona is in the books we're moving on to atlanta and uh we hope you have a great week and enjoy the racing this weekend in georgia but for jordan i'm devin hope you have a great night and we'll see you all real soon